This Saturday panel on OTB. And I'm coming off the pitch. He said, uh, Richard is on the phone. Richard? Yeah, he said, he's in Mexico. And then I'm totally bamboozled. I said, who the hell is Richard in Mexico? But it happened to be Richard Harris. But I got on the phone to him and, and I swear to God, he's crying down the phone like congratulating me and telling me how, how great it is. And he asked me, can I come to the final? I said, of course you can. Don't miss the panel every Saturday afternoon on OTB Sports Radio. Tune in 24-7 on the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network. You ain't shit. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her <laughs> husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. Andrew, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five o'clock. You can text us 53106. You're streaming as well now, so you can listen on News Talk, but also watch us on the social channels for Off the Ball, for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball on YouTube and on Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. If you haven't downloaded it already, search OTB Sports in your app store to do so for iOS and Android. This is the Saturday panel. One of the best moments of 2020 was the staging of the All Ireland. Hurling and football championships in the depth of winter as the country experienced its darkest days. Hurling, such a wonderful game. It's been graced by so many great teams. Cork in the 1940s, Tipperary in the 1960s, Limerick now, and Kilkenny between, well, well, 2000 and probably 2015. But for four years in a row, they won All-Ireland's 2006, 7, 8, and 9. And to look back on that record equaling run of four in a row and deal with some talking points out of Championship 2021, we're delighted to be joined by three of the great cats, Greg Ballycollins, Eddie Brennan, Emeralds, Taggy Fogarty, and Carrick Shocks, Michael Rice. Eddie, Taggy, and Michael, how are you all doing? Good, thanks, John. How are you doing, John? Aidan Fogarty, I know you're there, and I know it'll be great to see lads being able to puck a slitter around again. Um, they've been starved of it. Yeah, John, um, I think everyone has been waiting for um, GEFEs to open up, um, especially for kids to get back into the field, first of all. But uh, even for the likes of ourselves to have sport come back onto the television, to have something to even talk about. I know Uncle Kenny there, all you talk about is hurling and sport and when the matches are coming up, who's on the teams and all that. And it's just been so flat for the last couple of months. And it's just fantastic to see the games are back. The club lads are going to be back in a couple of weeks as well. So it's not just inter-county. So it's a bit of a lift. The evens are getting better. Summer is coming. And we always said, championship, the hard ground is what you want to be. And that's where you want to be. Michael, you're involved in education. It's been tough for a lot of young people. It has been very tough. I mean, we were, especially since Christmas, there was a long period where a lot of classes taking place online and uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, everyone at, at home had different circumstances. I mean, there were some households that had, um, I suppose, two parents working and then maybe two or three children trying to do classes online. So it was very tough for people. And then, um, look, we're, we're social animals and people were missing out on, um, especially young people, getting to see their friends. So it's fantastic, first of all, that the schools were back and... Uh, gave everyone an opportunity to to get back to some some form of normality. And you can see that um, even kids that may have said they wouldn't have particularly liked school, I think they I think they see the benefits of the certainly the social side as well as the, the educational side. You still poking the ball, Michael? 
I, I, I am, yeah. I actually came home one of the evenings during the week and I have three, three children and uh, they were gone shopping with, with their mam. So I actually grabbed the opportunity to get a few pucks against the wall, which was great, yeah. Have you lost the touch? Yeah, it's gone a bit, all right, John. Yes, yeah, definitely about that. <laughs> it was a tennis ball, so it was coming back a bit quicker, all right. But uh, so there's a bit of work to be done. But sure, look, that's 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 the name of the game. You're never finished. You always have to improve. So a bit of improvement needed, John. How's your touch, Aiden? Uh, yeah, it's all right, yeah. Um, I don't know if I had as good a touch as uh, Ricey there before, but uh, Ricey always had a, a perfect first touch. He always worked on it near, years ago. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it needs a lot of work. Uh, I heard last year, and I'll probably hurt this year because, uh, yeah, I get McGraw for it again. Uh, once you see the summer, as I said, the summer just eats it up. No one wants to go back training in the leagues and all that. So there was no, there was no league, thank God, this year for the lad. So it's straight into championship, into the hard ground. And that's where you want to be. That's where the, that's where the life and soul of it is. Does this club split uh, between inter-county and club work for you, Michael? Yeah, absolutely. It worked great for me last year, I have to say. As, as Taggy said, um, we have a little place in Carrick Shock called Romans Valley and uh, we used to go do the hard training there over the last couple of years and uh, I said to myself, I, I'm not gonna, I probably won't stay hurling or if I do stay hurling, I'm never going to train down there again. So luckily that was cancelled last year and uh, we had about probably eight, ten weeks of a club season. Um, unfortunately, we lost out um, in the end with the club but it, it was very, very enjoyable just to be as Taggy said, going up on a summer's evening, the ball was flying around um, and it was enjoyable weather, it was enjoyable hurling. We were playing league matches that meant something kind of straight away with everybody. There was no uh, inter-county, I suppose, um, infraction on that and that really worked for us really well. And I think I, I think most of the inter-county players really enjoyed it as well because I suppose when we were we were playing with Stephen Taggy that there was that split season and you be with the with the county from maybe January till March, uh, maybe April when the league ended. Then you had maybe a week, two weeks with your club, play two club matches, and then you're back with the county. And it was, it wasn't it wasn't fair to be honest with the, with the club scene the way it was. So I think this is going to be hugely beneficial for the the club scene. I think everyone, inter county and club players are looking forward to that split. What's the temperature in Kilkenny at the moment? Had a championship 2021, Aidan? Yeah, it, it, it's low key, um, as, as it always is. I think in Kilkenny, it, it always seems to be low key uh, for some reason. But I think the talk for the next couple of weeks is just to get back out into the field, really. And just to touch on, on Ricey's point there, um, on, the, on the club point of view, it, I think it's been fantastic that you have three months just for club. Because I remember guys going back in just for club and going back in January, February, March and training. And realistically, the championship is not kicking off until September for club. And you're literally getting fit until March and then a break and then you're getting fit again until September. So I think the focus of the three months is absolutely brilliant for club lads because they can go off and do what they want. They can go off on their holidays or whatever the case may be later on in, in the years or whatever to come. But I think it, just the focus in the three months, come back in and do it, is brilliant for the club. Um, as far as the county level is, I think it's very low-key. You won't know anything really, John, I think, until the kind of league starts off. And realistically, how much are you going to take from the league? I'm not too sure either because guys are just back training. It's going to be just three weeks. And if you think about it, it might seem three weeks, but that's really only about eight sessions, eight or nine sessions, and maybe even six, six tough sessions at that. Now, I know the guys have been doing their bit for the last couple of months there in the gyms, but to get up to the match tempo, to get up to, say, we just talked about with first touches and all that, especially in hurling, you know, you really have to be grafting there for a long time to get up to the speed of the game. So I think the league is going to be a lot of kind of, you know, kind of hairy-fairy kind of stuff and then to kick off in championship. 
Eddie Brennan joins us now and Eddie summer hurling the lads have been talking about it there but you can't wait for it yeah sure geez, we, we, we've been missing it for so long um, John it's just uh, we give Anton to have it back so um, you know I suppose we, we really put a value on it now um, I think for what has happened over the last 13-14 months has probably really put a premium on how much we, we enjoy our hurling and how much we love it and, and obviously how much we've missed it and uh, certainly the, the whole format and the system has been just turned upside down and uh, as the lads are saying there I think look we don't care what we get once it's back but uh, I, I agree with Taggy there in terms of the league look I think you're going to see uh, managers use a lot of their squad I think you're going to see them train lads and uh, getting lads up to speed because obviously once uh, championship kicks in you don't have a whole lot of wriggle room it's really put an edge on it and put a premium on getting your performance right and, and being able to deliver Let's uh, wind the clock back then, lads, uh, when we're looking back at the four in a row. 2005, Michael, you were on the panel. You came into the panel. What was the culture like when you were joining the panel? What was the vibe? Were you intimidated? How did you feel when you're like walking into a dressing room when you've got Henry there and Eddie there and, and all these players? Yeah, a small bit of intimidation probably, yeah. And that's on no part of the boys. I mean, you've probably had two legends of the game still there as well in DJ and Peter Barry. Um, my first day on the panel was Galway, that, that epic match. 5.18 to 4.18 I think it finished to Galway and uh, unbelievable Eddie the same day I think lit it up I think he scored 2-3 from play um, but to come into that dressing room um, yeah, the culture was good the culture was probably obviously Brian uh, over the years Brian Cody had set the tone on that but from our point of view it was probably looking at the likes of Eddie Henry Derek Ling Martin Comerford Mick Kavanagh setting the tone in training Um uh, there was no prima donnas, there was no egos, and there wasn't room in that. So straight away you knew if you were going in there and if you had won a minor or an under-21, it, me it meant absolutely nothing. Uh, you had achieved nothing in terms of Kilkenny Hurland for that. So it was very much a case of um, if, if the likes of Henry Shefflin doesn't have an ego going in here or, or Eddie or Mick Cavanagh or these lads, well then, uh, listen, I, there's no place for me to be, have a, a big head or any player. And that was the... It, what I added to that as well was the... I suppose the, the bit of help that the lads would give you. Um, I remember Eddie would have given me advice over the years. Derek Ling, even though I was in opposition with Derek for a midfield spot, he would have given me little bits of information. Uh, he probably didn't tell me everything, but he probably told me one or two things that I would have used over the years. And, and you would have just learned so much from those players as well. So it was a good environment to come into. But then going on to 06, what happened was we lost under 21 All-Ireland final against Galway down in Limerick. And I think by the start of 06, Brian and Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey had brought in 14 out of the 15 starters that day. So even though we had lost an under-21 All-Ireland, I suppose Brian had seen enough of us at maybe minor and under-21 to bring in that group. And then the big, the big question was, how was he going to gel this together? Even though we had serial winners in there already with the, the men we've mentioned, there was still that, that thing that he had to bring it together and create this spirit that couldn't be broken that Brian has so often spoken about. So I think between himself, Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey, that was a great, that probably, it, it didn't come overnight. It came from the hard training and it probably came from us building slowly throughout 2006 and, and winning matches and everyone kind of getting a bit of, well, not everyone, but a lot of players getting a bit of game time and seeing that, yeah, there's a chance for me here. So I think that... Um, built over time um, from 2005 into 2006. And what you did feel after 2005, there was a, probably a, a huge um, determination to 
get back to the top throughout the panel and those players that had won all Ireland medals and that was huge that they had such hunger in them and we could see that see that as young players as well Manchester City have taken the lead against Crystal Palace uh, they've actually just uh, scored another goal as I speak uh, Aguero got the first one and Ferran Torres has just got another one so 2-0 to City against Crystal Palace as they close in on the Premier League title Eddie was the uh, edge pretty stark between yourselves and Cork that time because they were going for three in a row in 06 yeah, there was there was a good bit of a, a needle there, all right, John. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I think Ricey and all the boys in UCC brought that up with him. <laughs> so, um, but just on Ricey's point there is, is is important too, John. I think uh, I certainly didn't like when the boys all came in around the squad. There was a lot of them coming around and they really generated a real healthy competition. And it was, it was probably the making of the team really going forward because... You were looking around and you were seeing all these guys that Brian gave a lot of game to during the league in 06. And what it what it really generated was, like as Rice said, the spirit. But there was massive competition within the squad. And, and we knew ourselves that you know the players that were doing it in week in, week out on the training field were going to get the, the jerseys. And and I think like Rice said, we did all kind of fairly well gel together and there was there was a there was a very, very healthy respect and friendship off the field once the training the training ground was a battle and then after that it was it was it was all you know everyone was it was good friends with each other but yeah just to go back to your point about the Cork thing I think uh we had developed a good a good uh, I suppose rivalry with Cork from 03 and 04 and you know Ricey mentioned 05 there I, I'd say I, if I'm being honest I think we had a, a an eye on Cork being in the the final in 05 and and we wanted to get there we wanted to to knock heads with them and you know Galway took us out and and deservedly so so we, I suppose we, we bottled up that that bit of hunger that was there, and I think you know when '06 was definitely a year of transition for us. There wasn't a whole lot of expectation on us. Cork were the the focus because they were going for three in a row, so that was the challenge that was in front of us, and and it suited us nicely to come into that match as as underdogs in a way. But there was just a fierce, fierce determination within the group, and I recall even I think a week and a half, two weeks out from that All Ireland, you know, to lose JJ Delaney with a big injury and it just presented an opportunity for someone on the squad who was ready to go and you know that that was that was what was our strength at the time we had guys uh knocking on the door really putting their hand up to Brian saying they wanted to play and as a result you know I think it was Mick Kavanagh came in that day and it was just a seamless uh transition for him I think Noel Hickey moved into full back and and away we went 53106 listeners, if you have any questions for Eddie Brennan, uh, Taggy Fogarty, or Michael Rice and Kilkenny and that brilliant team, probably the best of all time. Taggy, when everything turns to gold in a match as it did for you in the 06 final, you scored 1 uh, 3, uh, 116 to 113 win over Cork. What is it like when everything is just going your way? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, John. Um, obviously, it was my first start Ireland and. Um, I tell you, I remember very vividly how I kind of felt on the Saturday and on the Sunday. Um, I was very relaxed, and I kind of I was taken off in the semi final against Clare, and I was I was gutted, and I was surprised actually get me start on the on on the day for the All Ireland. But he gave me the chance, and I said to myself on the Saturday, if I get fifty minutes out of myself and if I do myself justice, I'd be happy with that. And if I'm taken off, I'm taken off. And look, the way the game went, it, it was just—it was just surreal. Um, people talk about being in the in, in the groove or in, in the moment, and I think it's only years after when I realised I was definitely in the groove that day. The ball just seemed a little bit slower. Um, 
the pace of the game, I was just I was just on top of it. I was just moving before the ball was struck. I was in the right place at the right time. And this is not this is just kind of accumulation of years of training, a bit of luck, and obviously on a on a great hurling team as well. But it, it just came together. But it wasn't about being brilliant on the day. It was more about the team winning the that All Ireland. And uh, as Eddie mentioned already, we had a bit of a rivalry built up at Cork. And I remember that the Friday evening we had a meeting with uh, with Brian and I coming over and I was just thinking, and it's easy to say it now, but I was just thinking we, we can't lose this All Ireland because we have so much done and we have so much preparation for it. And look, on the day, it, it was just it was just a bit surreal. I was on Pat, Pat Mulcahy and, you know, maybe he was just that one or two percent off and I was that one or two percent ahead. And that all it did, that's all it takes for on our Ireland day and for any game to really make a stamp on it. And you know, they, they talk about the goal. I actually miss hit the goal. Uh, it was on my bad side and uh, took it on my left. And I was here. Oh God, I'm after miss hitting it. And it just, it just. <laughs> Bobby Don Lowe was probably expecting a rasper and typical kind of miss hit it and it flew into the top corner. And it just went on from there. And it was just, just a surreal moment personally, but more for more for a team and for that for that team just to kick off uh, beating Cork uh, on that day was just uh, just fantastic. And the following year, you beat uh, Limerick uh, 219 to 115. Eddie, you were also in the zone that day. You got 1-4. Is what Aidan's saying there right, that it just feels everything is going a little bit more in slow motion and it gives you a better chance? Yeah, I think it is. It's some days you hit those those days and, and I think it's it's a it's a balance between real drive and real determination and, and, and kind of being relaxed and, and kind of enjoying what you're doing. So I think that was I, I'd agree with what Taggy said there. You know, for me the mindset probably was was set in the run up to that All Ireland's. Uh, you know, I'd probably had All Ireland's where I'd been busy to say the least. You know, you hadn't give that you know seven or eight out of ten performance in the All Ireland final. So that was an added personal drive for me. I said, look, I just didn't want to be a you know a bit player that I wanted to to take up the slack. That that's when when lads are needed, and, and that's what they often say in the big days that you have to step up. Uh, we were lucky with a group of lads that there was always guys very, very consistent with their performances. And, you know, once that match set, set off, as, as Taggy said there, you feel good. You, you you send something different. And, you know, the build-up for me was good. I think you were experienced enough at that stage that you were kind of getting a good handle on taking control of your performances and psychologically building yourself up and getting yourself ready. And, um, look, I have to be honest, I suppose uh, I collided with Stephen Lucy early in the Ireland and, and, you know, maybe if that was today, I probably would have seen a red card. So, but, um, you know, I suppose some days, you, you know, there's there's a bit of luck or a bit, an element of that involved. But in terms of delivering for the team, you know, I, I, I just, in the run-up to that match, I said I had to, you know, there was too often maybe uh, other lads had done it and, and I just said, look, today you just had to step up and, and, and do your job. And, and that was, I think, the strength of our team was that, Nobody ever went out and tried to play three or four positions. I think you just went out, did your own job. You, you saw whatever work you could do for the team. And if that was creating chances, then that was what you done. But uh, yeah, look, it was, it was it, it, as Taggy said there, it's nice to get the individuals, you know, afterwards. But the be all and end all is to actually, you know, the hard work that you do all along. And, you know, at the all Ireland final, when that final whistle goes, it's it's just the, the camaraderie and the friendship and the buzz for the, the, the immediate hour afterwards inside the dressing room. That's that's what it's all about. That's the magic. And uh, just before we go to the break, Michael, you will win All-Stars in 09 and 11, but you were on the periphery still then. Was that becoming frustrating for you or is it just a case that everybody bought into it? Um, a little bit of fr- uh, frustration and probably... Um 
coming to the stage where I just had to step up, like Eddie said as well. And it was it was kind of I was on and off. I mean, if you look at those championships, I think I would have played cha- championship matches there. I would have started championship matches, but when it came to the biggest day, um, either my form wasn't right or it, it, look, yeah, at the end of this end of the day, I had to look at uh, in a kind of a wider perspective and say the midfield battle at that time and kind of half hour line. I would have been up against obviously Derek Ling and Chad. Derek, who would have set the standard for so long, from zero two up till that time, and Chad then, who was phenomenal from zero six, seven, and eight. And we knew how how, how much class he had. So um, it, and even into that, Michael Fenley was there, Richie Mullally and PJ Delaney. Kind of there was nearly six or seven lads that knocking around for that midfield berth. So you just knew you had to just work really, really hard and see where it took you. So it wasn't the case that. You were going home saying, "I definitely should be on that team." You also, it probably, I probably would have been better if I was thinking that. But you also had to recognise that there was serious competition and serious players there, and uh, you had to do something special, maybe, or someone to get injured to get in there. Um, and you couldn't be wishing injury on anyone, of course. You know. Okay, we got to take a break. Back with more chat on the Saturday panel about Kilkenny's hurlings four in a row with Eddie Brennan, Taggy Fogarty, and Michael Rice shortly. 53106, the text number. You can also reach us on Twitter at Off the Ball, Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. Just let you know uh, Manchester City 2 0 up against Crystal Palace in the Premier League as they close in on the title. We're back after the news. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. And this is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until 553106, five, the text number. You can tweet us at Off the Ball to let you know it's Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City 2 in the Premier League in the second half. We're back with the Saturday panel, reflecting on the great Kilkenny four in a row senior hurling team, three of whom join us now, speaking to Greg Paddy Collins, Eddie Brennan, Emeralds, Taggy Fogarty, Carrick Shocks, Michael Rice. Listeners out there, has there been a better hurling team? I don't think so. Uh, we're streaming the conversation as well now, as well as listening on, on News Talk. You can watch us on the social channels for Off the Ball for Periscope on Twitter at Off The Ball YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app uh, 2008 we've got to now Waterford in the final peak Kilkenny dominance 3.30 to 1.13 17 points clear at half time Aidan Fogarty what's it like when you know you're going to win a game early on in it because you can say what you want but you, you're, you were going to win the game do you feel any sympathy for the Waterford lads you're, the guys marking you is probably hurting out there they want the ground to swallow up or is it a case of just kill them until the final whistle yeah, it's a strange one, John. Uh, there is no better feeling than knowing you have it in the bag. And um, I don't think we really... There's always a worry there that, especially in Hurling, that you're in the big lead and you might give it up at some stage. There, there is always that worry. But come around the 60th minute, 65th minute, I think we all kind of kind of realised ourselves that, that, that we had it, that there was no comeback from this. Um, of course, you feel sorry for the Watford team uh, and that team in general. They're, they're a fantastic team. And given some great service over the years, you know, winning the Munster finals, they brought a great kind of uh, atmosphere to, to Croke Park and to around into the GEA season uh, all through the years. Uh, you would feel sorry for them and you pity they didn't get a medal. But at the end of the day, sport is cutthroat and we had to be cutthroat. And I felt that we were a cutthroat kind of team and that you had to kind of just keep your, I suppose, foot on, on the neck and squeeze them until you know, there's no life left in them. And, and that was the mantra. That was Kenny's mantra. And there's no point in saying otherwise. And not just for that game, but for, you know, for every game and every lead up and every league match and championship match, that was the type of culture that we kind of instilled in ourselves. First of all, to make a place on the team, that was the utmost. And I think 2008 was really the kind of accumulation of everyone he, 
getting to peak fitness because I suppose weights came in around 2005. Lads kind of bought into them in 2006. They were getting used to them in 2007. We're getting used to kind of the way the train, the structure was. We're getting used to kind of Brian Cody, the way he kind of made changes, the way things were were were, um, were being of expected of us, I suppose. And really, we, we kind of became competing between ourselves. Who was lifting the most weights? Who was running the fastest? Who was, you know, uh, training three times a week on the road? Um, all that kind of accumulated into kind of 2008. It was a cutthroat culture. So many lads trying to make on the team because realistically, we knew that we were going to be at semi-final, final stage uh, every year that we went in uh, at some point, you know, and it's going to take a team to beat us, uh, not, not to be there. So everyone was so driven. A lot of uh, intelligent guys in that dressing room. And I, I, people say to me that, God, you must have been so trained out of it and must be so professional uh, kind of a, an outfit and the funny thing is we actually weren't the boys were actually kind of fairly relaxed you know Martin Dempsey Martin Forty Cody they left it to our own devices um, as such you know you didn't have kind of group uh, gym sessions um, if you miss a gym session what's the end of the world you know I remember Mick Dempsey and we doing runs and he counts and is in 9, 10, 11 crossing the night and he didn't even have his watch started and I only heard that afterwards you know Martin, <laughs> Martin, Martin, Martin Dempsey or Michael or Martin Folkley told me this like and he's only counting us in but we thought it was 9, 10, 9, 10 and we were busting for the lane but it turned out he, he didn't even have the watch started so like that, that's more of it but I think that was the culture of that Kilkenny team because we had a lot of characters there and if it was taken too serious I think a lot of lads might have walked or maybe there would have been friction there but everyone was kind of enjoying it and, and you know it was obviously at that stage it was a brilliant spirit in the camp because we went on holidays, we were living in each other's pockets, we got on great with each other, great bunch of guys. And there was a humbleness there throughout the team that obviously Brian kind of controlled because every time he came in at the start of the season, there was no such thing as All-Stars, you know, there was no such thing as a man in the matches, you know, all your cars, cutting ribbons. He cut all that out and it kept God's grounded. <laughs> and, uh, and it had to because it could have got out easily, got out of control. And I think 2008 was the accumulation of all that, of gym sessions, of guys just kind of realising what's needed to make this Kenny team. And, you know, I think that performance on an Ireland day against Waterford was uh, was one of our greatest. Eddie, it's like the golfer going up the final hole of the Masters knowing they've won. Yeah, geez, we wouldn't mind experiencing that either now at this stage. But, um, yeah, it was, I think, you know, I remember sitting down with Cav and a few of the Waterford lads on a trip there one year I think it was after that and uh, I remember you know we were just chatting with John Milan and Owen Kelly and, and, and Cav just said look he said it was it was just that that one magical day where everything clicked like he said and it just so happened he said Waterford were the unfortunate you know victims of of, of a massive performance from that group of players and um, you know you'd say no matter who stood in front of us that day just the mindset was right and, and we were a well-oiled machine but I think it's important to point out like you know, Taggy mentioned it there. Like the, there, there was massive camaraderie with the group. You know, we still we still enjoyed our nights out together. We enjoyed you know the, the Mondays when when that happened as well. Um, and and we were you know I think lads were were mature enough to know that there was a place for everything, but you had to be sensible about that. And and you were never going to do anything that was going to obviously hurt your own chances. But obviously, even more importantly, was do something that was going to impact on the team. But I think I, I even remember just in the run up to that All Ireland. Um, you know, Jerry McEntee was down with us and he spoke to us about what was facing us. And, uh, you know, Taggy said it there, like you couldn't even relax, you know, going into the second half because we still knew Waterford were more than capable of, of blitzing for a while and they could shoot the lights out. But, um, 
you know, we we got wind of certain matchups in the run up to this that that you know Davy Fitz was was targeting a few of us, and, and I think it was myself and Tommy, somebody else got got targeted, and and we just thought, I, I, looking back on that now, I think that upset Watford a little bit. I think Owen Murphy, I was marking Owen Murphy, and I was worried about marking him because he was a real out now, hurling corner back, and when he started kind of target me or slobbering before the ball was thrown in I felt this was a big plus for me because I said if he's not worried about the ball too much then that's where my focus is going to be and you know I remember uh, Seamus Pendergast going at Tommy and you know pulling and dragging at Tommy and said you know you'd be better off giving Tommy a cuddle and a kiss rather than because <laughs> that doesn't work for Tommy Welsh like, you know? so um, there was that element to it and I think that really kept us focused going into that match and and because the lads said there, even at half time, like we were hurling really, really well, and, and and a lot of people felt the match was over. But we were still just concerned that you know if Watford got a little run, and you know we just made sure that we we finished off the job. But um, yeah, look, it was it was at that stage there was there was just a real. I think the the key to it was we were really really enjoying that. We were enjoying the buzz of being with each other, three and four nights a week and training. Yes, we tore the heads off each other in training and there was really tough matches, plays, never stupidity. And then we obviously enjoyed the downside of it. Like I, I always loved afterwards going down to Langton's and getting a bit of grub and having a bit of chat and listening to some of the lads slagging each other and sneering each other. I think I think Cha and Tenno and, and maybe Austin Murphy around that, because before that had an old painting business going. So you'd enjoy the banter of who was steering and who was having the crack thing. Michael, uh, the next year you're in the team then, four in a row is on the cards. Was there much talk about that, the history making and all that before the Tipperary game? No, not not at all. I don't remember it anyway. I was probably so focused on trying to stay on the team and get on the team that that didn't impact on me at all. I was kind of, at that stage, I was even 0-8, I was saying, come on, Brian, will you make a few changes? We're doing well here with 15 minutes to go. But uh, Brian always kind of stuck to, if you've done the job in the match, you keep your place in the team if you're winning by two points or 20 points. But... Um, no, four in a row didn't come into it, to, to be honest. I think that there was, again, it just felt very normal and very, as Taggy said, we kind of learned uh, the way it kind of a season would go, the rhythms of the season and how everyone was kind of operating. So there was a good understanding throughout the panel of of uh, what to expect throughout the season. And um, we would have kind of done weekends away at different times as well, up to Carton House or down to Seafield there in Wexford and... So we never did the foreign trips or anything like that. And uh, it was always seen as that was enough to kind of just refocus at any different points in the year. And it, I suppose no, there was no year where we kind of felt, oh, this is plain sailing and it's just let's go to the next step. There were moments in the years where there probably would have been a few stern words and probably words from players as much as anything in those team meetings where to just up the standard again. If people felt the standard was slipping a small bit, it was about upping the standard. So, I mean... We would have played Tipperary in that league final, which was, a, I love that match. It's probably one of my favourites in Turles, where we went to extra time. And, um, and then Eddie turned on the turbo in the, in the last, in the, in the extra time. But um, again, even after that, there was probably a think that, right, we need to raise the standard again. Look, we're, we're, we're being caught here. We need to up it again. So there was a refocus and probably people, you wouldn't have been overly happy throughout in terms of everyone that we, we, we kind of had, hadn't performed as well as we could, even though that we knew that tip team was coming strong as well. So we had to up the standard again. When we see an epic game like Kilkenny-Tipperary in 2009, it is just so gripping to watch it in the, in the stand or on television. Halftime in the dressing room, Aidan. What is it like? Are there many people speaking? What's the vibe? 
Is there a ritual? Does Brian say much? Do the lads say much? Does Henry say much? Just give us an insight into what's going on at, at, at the break. Yeah, um, surprisingly, John, and you mightn't believe me, a lot of lads don't believe me. Um, the dressing room does be relatively calm. Um, I think you have roughly about 20, 25 minutes uh, at half time, and everyone comes in, you know, they get their drink, they, they sit down, and they take a breath for themselves for five or 10 minutes. And Brian has never really spoken, you know, um, spoken out at half time maliciously or kind of, we're in trouble here. There is always a calmness there and really he kind of puts it over to the players and you're not forced to talk. People will talk when they want to talk. We had leaders, we had Noel Hickey, we had Peter Barry, you know, we had Derek Ling, Mick have great talkers in the dressing room and, you know, it has to come from the team. There's no point in Brian saying you have to do this, you have to do this. When you hear a player talking about it and when you hear a player kind of driving on the team and knowing what he's doing for that team, that brings an extra edge. Now, of course, Brian makes his few changes if there's changes to be made or whatever the case may be, but it is relatively calm. And I think it's important to have a dressing room at halftime relatively calm because there's no point in losing the plot uh, in making rash decisions or being being more uptight coming out of a dressing room when you should be actually relaxing down and getting grips of what's happening in the game, how are you performing, what, what's the next steps and things like that. So it, it is relatively calm. And then you go into the kind of the... Um, the warm-up area before you head out again. And then that's where it's beginning to ramp up because players know it's do or die now. It's the last 30, 35 minutes. If we're under pressure, you have to dig deep. You have to go into the belly. You have to pull it out of yourself as a team and as an individual. And guys really ramp it up just before you head out. And Brian sometimes has the last word and sometimes doesn't have the last word. If it feels right, guys will just bait out that door and out into Croke Park for that second half. And if it doesn't feel right, Brian will probably have a mention. But it is relatively calm, but it's an important situation. We got a text in here, 53106. Does the panel think referee decisions in 09 final help Kilkenny? I don't know if that's from somebody from Tipperary, but it was a controversial penalty. Henry Shefflin got put in the net. Within a minute, Martin Comerford has the ball in the net and that effectively won it, Eddie Brennan. What is it like in these moments? How vivid is it even now, thinking about that? Uh, yeah, well, I just... And Taggy's one there about half time. I don't know. I don't know what was said at half time because we were asleep, definitely in the forwards when we went back out. Because I remember uh, a couple of years later, Martin Fogarty threw us out a stat that I think of something like the thirteen or fourteen first puckouts that PJ Ryan took in the second half of All Ireland. We only won one of them clean or on a break. So Tipperary were doing all the hurling at that stage. But um, you know, it was it was obviously a significant um, change that that changed that match on the course of its head and. I distinctly remember, you know, sending Martin a text Friday night saying that, you know, come Sunday we're going to need Martin Comfort. And uh, in fairness to him, when he came on, he, he changed up that match because, uh, you know, sometimes I suppose when you're sitting there on the bench, I'd imagine you get to see what way the match is going. So when you arrive in, maybe you can see maybe lads are starting to get fatigued. And, and I think what Martin does, does what Gorta does, he runs good lines, he runs, you know, he, he cracks open defences. And I think the, the first line he run that time that he passed off the ball to Richie Powell was was kind of through the middle of the, the Tipperary defence, which we hadn't had any joy at that stage. And yeah, look, uh, I think looking back on it afterwards, you say, look, the, the decision was questionable. You know, it's it's debatable. Um, and we often see that in sport. Um, but, you know, I suppose it, it certainly wasn't our place to, to dispute that or give out about that. I mean, some days you get them, some days you don't. And, um, you know, it, it it obviously was a game changer in terms of it was the line that we needed and 
you know, I remember Henry kind of stepping up to the penalty and, and more so in my life, I was so happy I wasn't a free taker because he was breathing heavily, just gathering himself. And I just said, wow, I said, the composure he had to step up, knowing that he needed to, to, to hit the net with that. And obviously then what happened afterwards, that was a double whammy. You know, the next ball that came down, um, Martin Comfort ended up taking the pass off Larks. And that was it, you know, two two opportunities presented. And I think that was probably the story. My memory of the matches, we were very economical with chances when they came our way, particularly in the first half when Tipper and all the hurling. Tipperary got a huge amount of chances. PJ Ryan got man of the match. And we got our few chances at the other end and we converted them. And that was that, that's the difference on the big days. Does it get harder, Aidan, to sustain the momentum uh, when you're a player and you've won four in a row and you're pretty sated and you've uh, equal to history uh, breaking statistic? Uh, or does the t- defeat to Tipperary the, fo- the following year still hurt? Is it still sore or is the four in a row overshadow that now a decade on? No, um, definitely the, the defeat to Tipperary after definitely is uh, is still a recollection in my mind. Um, and I think it'll stay with me forever. Um, they always talk about the games you lose. And I know we'd done the four in a row and all that. And it wasn't even about winning the five in a row or anything. It was just the, the, the matter of fact of that defeat. And, you know, the effort you put in over the years and the effort you put in just for that individual year and to come up short, and to come up short by a good bit in that Ireland final. You know, Lark Harbour went to town, obviously, on us. Um, you know, we'd missing Brian Hogan and, and, and Henry Sheffield and things like that. So it was the accumulation of, of kind of lads with injuries and knocks and, and, and everything like that. But... It definitely made us hungry for the year after. Um, you know, we were back 2011, and it was never said, or it was never kind of in a, or in a meeting, but we kind of knew, we knew each other so well that it was a burning desire inside us to get back, and get back to an Ireland final, and hopefully get back to meet Tipperary, and just prove to ourselves that we, were, that we are a good team, and that we can beat, beat Tipperary on a big day. Because I'm on the border here, a lot of rivalry down here and they'd often say you never beat Tipperary in an Ireland final and things like that and I know we did it in, in, in 09 but the beat is in 10 and you know Tipper kind of gained momentum they kind of they won the under 21 that year as well and all the talk was Tipper going to come now and Tipper taking over and Kenny are, are gone and that, that that was kind of a sore point with a lot of us and we put in a huge effort in 2011 just to get back to it and we got to the Ireland final and we, we played some great stuff and we were just off that margin, I think, in 2010. Now, Tipper obviously absolutely sublime. They were brilliant and clean as out, really, to be honest. But we just had a burning desire to get back. But it is it is always the defeats that you kind of, you look back on and say, we could have done this and that makes you hungry for the year after. Michael, when you're looking at Limerick now, two All-Irelands in three years, a young team, a very physically strong team that put 30 points in Waterford last December, do they have the raw materials to get a bit of dominance in the game like you had? Uh, yeah, it'd be hard to say anything different, really, to be honest, John. I think they do. Um, just fantastic players throughout the team. Great manager. Seem to have a great system of play. Seem to be able to mix along with the short where they're they're probably confusing opposition teams now. Of like you, you From a kind of a neutral point of view, you look in and you're seeing like um, Gerard Hegarty coming out with five, six points nearly every day last year and you Kind of going, God, lads, would you know, just get tight to him, will you, somewhere? And Tom Morrissey on the other wing. But obviously, you know, they are confusing teams because they're getting this situation where they have no problem playing it short um, to the half forward line. And then if the half back line push up on them, then they're no problem fired inside into Galan, who will take on two or three men. Um, so it's a great system of play they have. Seamus Flanagan there as well coming in. Um, you know, uh, he's a hugely strong player as well. So they have options. They seem to have that 
that strength and depth on the on the bench as well. They lost two in the full back line and were able to deal with it. Dan Morrissey went back and did a superb job. Um, so they're going to have the, the few players back then, Mike Casey and Richie English, which is going to make them stronger again this year, you'd imagine. And uh, again, you, you do get the impression that they feel comfortable in their own skin about what they're doing and how they're doing it. They have a good culture there as well. John Kiley seems to be leading that culture particularly well. Um, anytime there seems to be any little little rumble, he cuts it out very quickly and gets them back focused on what they need to do. So, look, you can say that any team, I know, oh, like, like Taggy said, the talk in 2010 was Tipper going to take over for that time. There are there are still teams there that can can cause trouble. I mean, Galway look probably the closest in some ways, but yet if you do, if you do, if you don't beat Limerick on the biggest day, you can be as close as you like if you don't get over the line. So, I mean, there's still like Watford last year had a fantastic first year with Liam Cal. He'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to drive it on again. I think even ourselves, um, Brian. Obviously won't be happy with last year, but then for a long stage of that semi-final against Watford, Kilkenny looked like we were we were maybe going to coast to a, a, an All-Ireland final. It turned in the second half, but there's some raw material there in Kilkenny that can still pose questions for, for, for Limerick as well, I think. So uh, I think Cork again, they're trying to probably revamp things a small bit down there and get, get maybe one or two new players in and new blood. So look, it, it does look like Limerick can take over for a number of years, but these things have a tendency to, to change very quickly as well. It just shows how uh, amazing your achievement was to win four in a row between 06 and 09. Eddie, you're coaching now with Kula in, in, in Dublin. Uh, the Dublin footballers have won six in a row. Is it very hard to keep up that relentlessness? You won eight All-Irelands. Do the players feel when it's dipping a bit? Will it be harder and harder every time Dublin keep on going to just keep keep unbeaten? Yeah, it probably is. It can, be, it can be, you know, I suppose that is the trick of management is to keep less motivated. And, you know, when is the time to, to blood a guy? When is the time to, to make those changes and start, you know, reinvigorating the team with, with, with a couple of, you know, a couple of new faces? Um, and that's obviously the, the greatest trick in, in coaching or management. And we'd all love to know what that formula is because uh, it's to be able to know that, look, and, and, and this is the probably the cruel side of it is that, you have your your guys that maybe you trust for so long, and then suddenly you might have to make that call of saying, "Look, I think my man is in bother, and we need to get so and so in or whatever." And and that's probably the difficult part of it. But I think if you're looking at you know if we're talking about you know the Dublin thing, and it's not their fault, like, but you look at the Leinster Football Championship now, it's it's just a non-existent event, and and I often you know you often think of it and say, "Look, if I was if I was a footballer from one of the other counties." You're saying what is realistically achievable there, and what is your motivation for going in? So um, it, that can be frustrating. But uh, just if I go back to even 2010 for us, I felt look there was there was bits and pieces, but there was, there was probably a, a little level of fatigue there at that stage. Like I mean, we knew what it, what was going to be needed, we knew what it was going to take, and sometimes you have to maybe get hurt to actually refocus yourself. And, and I often look back and you know I I left the, this panel in 2011. And look at the way the lads went from strength to strength afterwards because the show will go on no matter who is there. And, you know, I saw Taggy and Ricey mature and I saw, you know, Richie Hogan and TJ really taking it on. You know, we went on in one twelve again, one fourteen and 15. So um, it just goes to show, look, that um, the, the, the the show will always go on. And, and uh, if, if you have, you know, a good block of players there and that's where your squad will come into play, that's what will freshen a team up and I think that's probably the danger if you look at Dublin over the last two years and the football three years 
there's a lot of new faces after coming in in that team and it's hard to see who's going to shift them out there. 53106 for your text. Answer to Limerick's dominance is yes, lads. Top notch Kilkenny, lads in studio. But the irony of ironies, an average Kilkenny team stopped Limerick going for four in a row. Fact. Well, they won two. Uh, Limerick Abu, it's our time now with respect. Great show. Thank you for your text. Another one. Uh, Aidan Fogarty, has Cody ad- adopted technology in his preparation of teams or does he spend and depend on what he is observing? So is it observance or is it a technology when it comes to Brian? Um, well, definitely in my time, there was no technology. Um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely an observant type of thing. I think he, I think Brian kind of, he plays it from his gut a lot of the time. Um, he sees what's in front of him, and he makes he makes harsh decisions. He makes manager decisions, and he, you know, he. I think his gut plays a lot into it because Eddie touched on it there. It's it's the movement of players through the years. So, like say, like to Charlie Carter, you know, he 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 was gone. Henry Shefflin, Tommy Welch, they all played their time and new lads came into the panel and new lads took over. And that was just Brian Cody keeping the whole thing fresh. About 2007, Brian brought in two girls. I can't even think of their names now, but they were doing the stats. And they did stats for us, uh, for, for them couple of years. And as Brian wouldn't harp on about it, but whenever we'd have a meeting, he might just bring up Six or seven little pointers about hooks and blocks. Nothing about scores, nothing about goals. It was always hooks and blocks and the intensity of the team. And I think Brian's mantra was, if you're hooking and blocking more so than the other team, that means your intensity is a lot better than the other team and you're, and you're going well. So regarding technology, John, just to kind of answer your question, no, not in my time. Now, maybe he has moved on in the last couple of years, but definitely I think Brian plays it from the gut and, see, and what he sees in front of him. And I think the hurling experience, Brian's been through it all. Captain Kilkenny won our learnings, won all stars and managed Kilkenny obviously for the last 10, 15 years as well. So like he has a fair knowledge of the game and I think he goes with his gut. Uh, look, it's beyond question. He's the greatest manager in the history of Getty Games in my opinion. But Michael Rice, um, is it a situation in his 23rd year now? They haven't won an All-Ireland in six years. Are the natives getting a little bit restless in Kilkenny with the demand and the expectation of success? Is Brian Cody under even a little bit of pressure now? I've never seen Brian Cody under pressure, to be honest, John. Um, no, I think like after any season where you don't get the ultimate prize of the Lee McCarthy Cup, there is people questioning everything, really. You know, that's, that's just the nature of it. Um, but... I would be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't feel that Brian will feel pressure in that regard. I think he's been through it before. Um, look, it's zero four, zero five. Didn't win all Ireland. Came back then and did four in a row when we, there was very little expectation. Again, ten. So he's seen it all that way. And uh, look, I think he'd be he'd be happy that he's moving again. And 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 like it's funny how if you don't win the all Ireland, it's nearly kind of a disaster. And there's no positives. So that's not the reality either. There are positives. Like as as some one of your listeners takes in, like the, the the team two years ago beat Limerick in the semi final with a, a, an excellent performance. You know, there's no doubt about it. It was an excellent Kilkenny performance that day. Uh, lost an Ireland Tipperary in that time as well, uh, and then in the semi final last year. So it's not like we've suddenly fallen off a cliff and are not there or thereabouts. So I think from a Kilkenny's perspective, there's still hope, and like once you have hope, you have a chance. So I think that's. That's the case going forward. I don't think Brian Cody ever based anything on hope. I think there'll be absolute um, serious preparation done. That's always been the case. But uh, I think, look, Brian, there's always pressure in a job, but I don't think Brian will feel it particularly any different to any other year. 
53106. Uh, Kilkenny, you're a superb master of the game of hurling, both on and off the pitch, says Kieran in Dublin. When you look back on the four in a row and all the All-Irelands, you won Eddie Brennan, the rituals, the, the ticket rush before the game, the suits, the banquets, the nights out. Is there, what stands out uh, as something that made you smile? Maybe even the All-Star trips? Um, I don't know, I suppose... It's 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 actually a bit frightening how quick it all has moved away. You know, it's it it seems like such a distant memory now. But I think we just had, um, you know, I think it was Rice you mentioned it earlier on. You had a good structure to the year. Uh, you planned it out. You knew kind of what the, I suppose your life was planned around the you know getting to September and all that. But I just think I suppose it was the enjoyment of it all. Like I know there was nights there you came out with training very very frustrated and stressed and. You're, you know, you're worried about your spot and you're worried if you're going well and that kind of thing because I think you just want to play in Croke Park so badly. You want to, you know, you just want to be part of that. I mean, there's obviously a massive tradition in Kilkenny, which which is something that you're so aware of and so much, you know, you want to follow in the footsteps of the players that have gone before you and, and make your little bit of history. But, uh, you know, for me, I suppose we, we got some good holidays out of that and there was some great crack in those holidays and, you know, even Carton House, little small things like, you know, sneaking out there and playing five or six holes on the Monte course on a Saturday evening after our training camp or something like that. Like, there's just lots of little things. And I suppose, as the lads said there, we, we, we tend to remember the, the disappointing days more so because they, they are so disappointing and the, the enjoyable stuff takes care of itself. But uh, I just say, I suppose the, it's the friendship. And even now, I find is we've all drifted away and kind of gone our own separate ways and we're doing our own thing. And yet, if you run into any of the lads somewhere on a filling station or getting a coffee or something, it's seamless and it's easy how you just take up where, where we were at that time. And look, obviously, those friendships now, you know, will 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 grow closer together, I think, as we go along and we start meeting up a little bit more. We start organising things because we haven't even got to that point. And I look at what Offley and, and the Clare lads are doing the last couple of years and, and how they meet up again. And you're looking forward to that side of it. So... I think ultimately it's the friendships and, and it's how easy those friendships take up where we left off, you know. Taggy, were the roots of your Dance with the Stars uh, career um, <laughs> instill, instilled in, in all Ireland uh, celebrations? Well, I'm kind, of nodding me, I'm kind of nodding my head there, John, to be fair, yeah. Um, I don't know who gave my name to Dance with the Stars, but I think it's some of the boys for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I would have been known for uh, throwing an old move here and there, right? Um, whenever there's a dance-off, you know, Eddie mentioned it on holidays and uh, sessions and things like that. Whenever there was a dance off happening and some strangers were strutting their stuff, I might uh, I might put out the old leg and uh, <laughs> bust the move here and there. And I remember one time I think it was in I think it was in Hawaii, and you know you'd be trying to keep it low key when you're kind of uh, having a few drinks and things, especially Brian Cody around. I uh, I ended up on top of the bar and I was trying to low key. Imagine that and uh, Brian Cody and Barry Hickey and all the county board are there and sure. Uh, the wasn't wasn't that malicious right I was just on the bar and I was just busting the move and the boys were chatting me on and uh, Brian was just smiling to himself so I think it went down well but but that was it Brian loved it loved the spirit he loved us to go out he loved us to have the crack and you asked Eddie there what do you remember about all, all the wins and stuff it's definitely the camaraderie the crack you had in the dressing room the physio room you know telling lads they had fat arses and uh, you know the, the, the little bit of slagging and and things like that and uh, it, it was just a brilliant environment, a very tough environment at times, you know, very, very challenging. But um, as I say, the, the more you challenge, the more you enjoy it. And I, I think it's just it's just everything accumulated uh, into one. And, and then, of course, it was just uh, after the final whistle of an Ireland final, John, you, you just can't you just can't describe it. It's uh, 30 seconds of pure 
just pure elation and um, it, it's a magnificent feeling and a feeling there that, that I'd miss and I'd love to get back and then you have the bus from Croke Park to City West and you're just celebrating and you're just in great form and you're driving in along the, the long stretch of the City West and fans are at both sides of the roads and they're clapping the bus on and they're cheering you on they're getting off the bus and you meet your family you know your mother and father and your friends and just it's, it's not it's just it's just all that it's not about the medals it's not about whatever else it's the whole experience of the whole journey brilliantly encapsulated Taggy and Michael for you what put a smile on your face or still does thinking of Taggy dancing on a bar and I think it was in Thailand actually Taggy if I remember correctly after the blue bus I see you were up there as well you can't remember whether it's Hawaii or Thailand uh, Taggy <laughs> I get paid for it now Ricey that's the difference <laughs> Uh, all those moments that the lads have mentioned, I think uh, one of the most special things for me was after that 0-9 final um, was meeting my parents and my family. Um, 91 was my first All-Ireland that I remember and Michael Cleary, Cleary's goal, that deflected goal off, off Liam Welch's hurl into the top corner and I suppose I disliked Michael Cleary for a long, long time. I bought a trampoline off him recently so it turned what? out he's not as bad as I thought. How, how, um, just, no, 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 just stop there. <laughs> You yeah. bought a trampoline off him. Yeah, yeah so the Michael Cleary sells trampolines. <laughs> oh, does he? Actually, okay. I believe above and Nina. Uh, yeah, it's not that he's. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think he ha- yeah he has a toy shop, and um, as okay. I said, I have three children, so um, I've got a trampoline off him. So I had a good old chat with Michael actually, and it turns out he's he's not as bad as I thought he was back in '91. As I said to him, 30 years later, I found out he's kind of sound. But uh, no, look, <laughs> it's it's that memory. Tipperary was a big one for me. The fact that it was my first All Ireland starting and. Uh, then to, I think it was my father's birthday that day as well and uh, to step off I think I remember stepping off the, the bus as Taggy said in the City West the celebrations were just unreal myself and Eddie used to sit beside each other on the bus and just the, the pure there used to be a, a, a tape or a CD played constantly you know we are the champions and uh, stuff like that like Queen is it? yeah I think yeah that one and uh you know, so look, and, and there was that particular year, I think um, Black Eyed Peas had, we got a feel, or I got a feeling that one. I still remember that and being on the dance floor and sure, look, Taggy was burning it up as usual. Um, but it was just those memories of the camaraderie and, um, you know, meeting, meeting, as I said, meeting my father and mother after getting off the bus there. And I suppose tears in their eyes and my, and my own eyes that something that I had wanted to do for so long in my life that I uh, I kind of had, had achieved that. Um, and, and against Tipperary as well. To, to throw that in as well was 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 massive. So, um, as the lad said, we had great days, great holidays. Uh, we had the time of our lives. That's the reality of it. We had the time of our lives, and I mean that feeling for two minutes after an All Ireland final is just phenomenal. Um, and it's one of the best feelings in in, in in you could have in your life. And look, you you can't get it back. But we were lucky and privileged to to have had the chance to feel that. And Eddie, you gave a lot of joy to a lot of supporters in Kilkenny. Yeah, sure. And I think there was a huge bond with the supporters at that time as well, John. I think um, we often got, you know, great support on the, on the disappointing homecomings. And I think that was, uh, I think it was just such a, a great positivity around the county at the time. And Ricey touched on it there, you know, as much as we were a family together inside in that dressing room, obviously our families were the ones who supported you so much and, and brought you to matches when you were younger and underage and stuff like that. And for them, this was probably a little bit of payback for them. And, you know, I think even a lot of our, our parents even became very friendly through the through the setup as well. And, you know, they'd be the ones there to, to help and support you. And, you know, in those tough moments as well, they were there to pick you up. So um, the Kilkenny supporters were absolutely brilliant for us at the time. 
Um, I predicted us to love playing league matches in Nolan Park and if the, if the challenge was thrown down to us, you know, the supporters would be there to, to, to give you a bit of a lift and, you know, it was it was it was our way of saying, you know, it was great to, to reward the supporters by by winning the All Irelands. I think so much so that a lot of supporters around Kilkenny used to save their holidays for the the, the first week in September. They used to they used to enjoy the the bit of crack. They used to go on around the town for the week afterwards. Well, we got to leave it there. Eddie Brennan, uh, Tagli Fogarty, Michael Reiser, absolute gentlemen to join us here on Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk to do a bit of reminiscing about Kilkenny's four in a row and look ahead to Championship 2021. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend and we'll hopefully catch you soon. Cheers, Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. We're back after this. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 